When I was a kid, I noticed that we always seemed to begin and end prayers with the sign of the cross. Not a big revelation, obviously, but I think I was mostly looking at the prayer before meals as a sign of this. So in my young mind, I formulated a theory that the sign of the cross was like bookends. You had to have one to start a prayer and you had to have another one to end a prayer. But then I noticed something else. Mass more or less began with a sign of the cross and ended with one. But there were a whole bunch of them of other ones in between. But still holding to my original theory that signs of the cross were like bookends or, or parentheses, I decided to pay attention at Mass and see how many of these discrete little packets of prayer there were at Mass. I went to a Catholic school, fortunately, so at the school Mass that, for that week, I resolved to count the signs of the cross and see how many my parentheses, see how many of my uh, sort of prayer parentheses there were. I ran into confusion almost immediately, though. I made the sign of the cross with the holy water when I came into the church. Okay? Prayer open. And then knelt down in the pew before Mass started, of course, using a sign of the cross. But prayer closed? I prayed and signed to myself before sitting down and getting out a hymnal. Wait, prayer open again? Or did I need another one to close and then to open again with a different one? Is it sets of two or just every other one? This was getting complicated. My theory wasn't holding together well. But I persevered and kept counting. It was really confusing when I signed myself three times like we do before the gospel. Was that opened, closed, open? But then it stayed open until I made the sign of the cross after receiving communion. That kind of made sense, but that was a lot of time with lots of different things happening that obviously weren't like one thing. By the time Mass was over, I knew that my theory was shot. We had ended on, I think, 11 signs of the cross, which would have left us open. A wholly unsatisfactory way to end the Mass, which was obviously a contained thing that should, you know, surely end closed. So, I was clearly not on my way to being a liturgical theologian. But the impression has always remained with me that we sure do make the sign of the cross a lot throughout Mass. And now as a priest, there are even more because because of the many small gestures over the gospel book and at the altar that involve signs of the cross. The point is that the Mass, the most important prayer of the church, is filled with throughout with the sign of the cross, the simple but profound reminder of the most important truth of Christianity. God, in whom we believe and whom we profess faith and devotion, is a communion of three persons perfectly united in one God. This divinely revealed truth is at the heart of all we believe, and so it is fitting that it, that so simple yet so pro- profound a gesture appears over and over again in the Christian life and practice. And we always need to be reminded. In fact, it is, an assen- it is essential that we keep it in mind, for all that we do as Christians is the work of the Blessed Trinity. The book of Proverbs, with which we began the Liturgy of the Word today, gives us a rare glimpse of the mind of the Holy Spirit. We hear, of course, many words from the second person of the Blessed Trinity, Jesus, and a good amount of words, or at least descriptions of words, from God the Father, usually given to us by Moses or the prophets, but it is rare to hear from the Holy Spirit himself. Yet we have here an exultant, joyful account of the Spirit delighting in and participating in the work of creation. He says, When the Lord established the heavens, I was there. When he fixed fast the foundations of the earth, then was I beside him as his craftsman. And I was his delight day by day, playing before him all the while. 
But we need to be careful that we do not get the wrong impression. It might sound like the Trinity is some other being independent from God, sort of watching creation. But we do not have three gods. There are three persons, but only one God. A good principle to remember is that though the persons are distinct in their personhood, that is, God the Holy Spirit is not the Son, God the Son is not the Father, and God the Father is not the Holy Spirit, yet they are perfectly united in their nature as God. Whatever we can say of one is true of all three, for they are one. Therefore, while we hear of God the Holy Spirit rejoicing in creation, this is also the co-equal rejoicing of God the Father and God the Son. When Jesus speaks of the Holy Spirit that will come to declare to us what has been given to Jesus from the Father, it is not as if there is some secret that the second person of the Trinity did not know that is being taken from the Father and given to the Son. All three persons are perfectly the same in knowledge and power. They come to us in different ways, and we experience them in different ways, but they are all the same God, Trinity in unity. The best way to understand this great mystery is not by mastery of precise words, though these are important. We should not scoff at the words of theologians, nor should we have any patience for those who would dismiss the importance of being clear about the nature of God. The best way to understand this mystery is to, is to participate worthily and attentively in the Mass. Here in the Mass, in simple actions and realities, we can see and profoundly understand the relationship of God the Trinity and our relationship to Him. We invoke the Trinity constantly throughout, throughout the Mass, at every sign of the cross. This is the first thing to remember. Next, observe the words of the prayers. Nearly every prayer is addressed, not to Jesus, as you might expect, but to God the Father. We begin with the opening prayer, the collect, God our Father, and then continue speaking to God. The preface speaks to the Father about His Son and His Holy Spirit. Eucharistic prayer number one begins with, To you, therefore, most merciful Father, and continues to address God the Father throughout. After the consecration, we pray together the Our Father. We frequently speak to the Father just as Christ himself frequently spoke to the Father. Yet all of this speaking to the Father is focused around the presence of the Son, Jesus. All that we are doing at Mass builds up towards and flows out from the making present of Christ in the altar on the altar in the Eucharist. God the Father is the founder of the feast. We are rejoicing in the Father's house. But it is Jesus who is the focus of the feast. He is the most awaited guest, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, is the reason we are here. It is his church. It is him we receive. It is him who saves us. Yet the Son does not bring himself to the banquet. It is through the power of the Holy Spirit that Christ is made present. This is true both in the moment of the Mass and in the power of the minister. It is the Holy Spirit that changes the bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ, but it is also the Holy Spirit who, at the priest's ordination, changes him so that he can be one who stands in the place of Christ and calls down the Holy Spirit on the bread and wine. It is the Holy Spirit who lifts our prayers to the Father, and it is the Holy Spirit who incarnates the Son. Yet the Son is not controlled by the Holy Spirit, nor does the Father accept or dismiss the Holy Spirit as if they were separate beings who sometimes cooperate and sometimes do not. All that they do is united and inseparable.
The Mass is the cornerstone of this action of the triune God, but is visible in all the actions of the Church. This pattern can be found in all the sacraments. We call on God the Father. Christ is made present through the Holy, through the Holy Spirit. And that is the great beauty of it all. God gives us access to this deep mystery in something as simple as the liturgy. Even children or the least educated can come to a deep interior understanding of the Trinity simply by participating well in the liturgy, in the Mass. Let us not be afraid to open our minds to the mystery of God. We are not worthy to receive him, but by faith we are justified to be able to, to do so. By faith we are made worthy. If we are able, we should study. We should read the doctors of the church and try to understand. But we should seek for understanding, first of all, in prayer. For it is there, in prayer, in the depth of our heart and, in, and our interior understanding, that God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, truly makes himself present, and his love is poured into our hearts.